Welcome, friends, back for another episode of the Rocky River United Methodist Podcast. Here with Stephen Young, our Director of Youth Ministries. My name is Paul. Hi, Hi Stephen. Uh, thanks for inserting that. And uh, <laughs> good to have you alongside me. Uh, we, we're uh, enjoying this Lenten series for our, our podcast as we're rolling into week number four. I can't believe we're in the fourth week of Lent. Can't believe it. Can't believe it. We're going to blink and Easter is going to be behind us and it's going to be, you know, summer mode. And where's the time going? Stephen, where's the time going? I don't know. It's, yeah. It just keeps going faster and faster. It does. It does. Well, uh, enough about that because we, we don't have any time <laughs> to waste here. We're, we're on to week four. And, and today, the, uh, the spiritual discipline that we're going to uh, dwell on for the next few minutes together is solitude. Uh, we've covered what uh, are referred to as uh, uh, inward disciplines. And last week and this week... Uh, are referred to as outward disciplines. Stephen and I have shared we're, we're uh, working from a, a book by Richard Foster called The Celebration of Discipline to engage this topic of the, these spiritual disciplines, essentially ways to uh, draw closer to God in, in relationship. And uh, some of them pertain to solely our, our internal uh, processes. Some of them uh, pertain to our relationship with the outside world. Some, some of them, as we're going to see in the next few weeks, uh, pertain to our relationship with one another. Uh, this one, as I said, is is an outward discipline, which Stephen and I were just discussing how ironic it is that solitude is an outward discipline because it's a, a time and a, a concept of turning inward. Um, but uh, my understanding is that Foster categorized it as outward so that uh, we would recognize that it really has to do with our relationships with the world and the people around us that uh, that within the context of those relationships we need to seek times of uh, pulling back and and uh, being in isolation and uh, seeking times just to, to be with ourselves and be with God and that's what this week is is all about or at least that's the the uh, short description we'll get into the long description in just a moment I thought uh, Stephen what do you think we're talking about solitude today I thought the the best thing now that I've started things off, I could just walk out and uh, <laughs> let you, you know, in a very solitary right. way, carry on with the rest yeah. of the podcast. Yeah, that's fine. I can do that. I mean, I've done a few podcasts by myself, so um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I look, guess uh, we'll we'll do that again. I uh, guess I guess needs Paul set you up for that <laughs> one, didn't I? Yeah, he's always <laughs> looking for ways to point out that uh, I've missed what a total of two now, two, and yeah, yeah he's two. not that he's keeping track. <laughs> Stephen has yet to be absent for a podcast. Yeah, that is right. Yeah, yeah. So Maybe a pay raise is is in, is in order. Inside, yeah. <laughs> if you get sick, I'm just coming yeah. to your house and we'll we'll do it right there uh, <laughs> at your bedside. We'll make sure that you're included because uh, can't can't do this without Stephen. No. He's he's the the rock. I guess the, I do have the technology. It's my computer. That's everything's uploaded through so that's true yeah so we yeah. should have a backup plan. <laughs> right, right we probably but since we should. don't steven you're <laughs> you're kind of stuck with us yeah. every week kind of talking logistics on air on Live. air on air right. and like we said there's no time to waste so uh, back to solitude <laughs> steven's gonna gonna start us off with some introductory words about what exactly uh this is what, what the purpose is what are we driving at here when we uh, talk about solitude and the importance of seeking it in our lives so what do you got All right yeah, this is um, this is <clears throat> a, a topic and a subject that I really um, enjoy because I'm kind of a. I think I mentioned this before when we talked about. Um, well, the discipline we talked about that was 
simplicity, simplicity or meditation meditate right meditation is yeah. what i thought of because i'm, I'm kind of i'm a extrovert introvert introvert that's what it is sorry <laughs> introvert um so i kind of like solitude and being alone um but anyways yeah what he says in the in the book i i think i find really really helpful um to understanding and getting a really good understanding of solitude and also i'm um, just mentioning now silence it, it becomes he talks about how those are one and the same uh, but humans have a, a sense of fear of loneliness and a fear of being a fear of being left alone and this is certainly true um that we we don't want to be lonely we don't want to be left and abandoned right we we want to have some sort of like sense someone is near a sense of of belongingness a sense of wholeness like we 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 kind of shudder away from loneliness that's not what we want and that's not what solitude is it's loneliness is is an inner emptiness and solitude is an inner fulfillment so you can be alone but not be lonely um, so you can be alone but have a sense of fulfillment um, you can be by yourself somewhere but at the same time feeling like you're in the presence of someone which is god um and, and i i love that imagery i love that thought that um loneliness is an emptiness and, and the thing is too um it's not always he talks about it's not always um uh, it doesn't matter where you're at necessarily so a lot of times when we think of solitude or loneliness we think of like out in the woods somewhere or uh or out in a field like we're, we're really alone but you there's i heard this all the time that you can be in a big city and feel completely lonely um and also you can be in a big city and have perfect solitude um so it, it's not necessarily the place but solitude is more of a state of mind so like i said you can be in the busiest of places and and some people are like this i think we mentioned this one on our podcast sometimes people feel um that they have a better state of mind a better sense of solitude when they're in a coffee shop when there's people going in and just the, the day-to-day runnings of a starbucks and no starbucks does not sponsor this podcast uh, i just thought i'd throw that <laughs> out <bad>. there <laughs> too bad we right? wouldn't be uh we wouldn't be sitting in the right the quote-unquote <laughs> studio we are now right three right, yeah. cups of coffee and we'd all be uh full of caffeine has some great ideas probably come out sure yeah (laughs) anyways yeah so i mean so some people find solitude in a coffee shop i'm more of the i'm the uh, opposite end i find more solitude in in the woods i I love absolutely love the metro parks um i cannot get enough of them (laughs) uh actually paul and i were just talking about them um i need to go out there again i have this sense of like i just just love the exploration of, of the parks even if i've been in the same place a million times i just I have my own places where I go to. Um, so we'll talk about more about that later. Um, but also, I want to mention that many times Jesus um, escaped into solitude many, many times. So there are several verses that um, I'll share. So <clears throat> from his book, he talks about nine times that Jesus sought solitude and even more that he didn't mention. Um, but the time before, so the certain times were before Jesus chose the 12, he was in solitude. When Jesus was tempted in the desert, he was in solitude. Um, when news about John the Baptist's death, he said, let's go to a lonely place and be apart. So he's in solitude. Um, after the miraculous healing of the 5,000, um, Jesus went to, up to the hills by himself. Um, 
And then Jesus went by himself um, a lonely place several times. It's mentioned that um, in the morning a great, hold on, for, for uh, a long night of work in the morning a great while before day he would rise and go out to a lonely place. Um, so there's just many, many instances. The transfiguration, he went up to the top of a mountain where he took Peter, James, and John, but again, a lonely place. The Garden of Gethsemane was a lonely place. So it happens happens a lot, and I just find that pretty incredible how Christ saw the importance of, of pulling away and, and finding solitude to speak to um, his Father. So that, that was just some of the things that I had gathered, and, and I have a lot more to say, but I also want... Paul to jump in on here because he always has a ton more to say. Right? So <laughs> he has some good stuff too, so I don't want to steal all his thunder. Well, you, since I missed those two episodes back in the day, <laughs> I got to make up for lost time and, and just right. bring a smidgen more. We have too. a word count going, and I'm like a couple ten thousand ahead of you, so I want you to catch keep up, keep, right? keep yeah. trying to make my way back. Yeah. Right. See, these things I find out on the air that I don't, I just don't <laughs> <Yeah>. know about. <laughs> There's probably a reason for Breaking that. Breaking news. Uh, to, to me, the example that Jesus sets for us is is um, all we need to, to see and all we need to know. Uh, as Stephen mentioned, nine times and, and uh, certainly others that at least imply that Jesus spent time in solitude. I think it's so helpful for me to see that that humanness of Jesus. He's not a, a machine. He wasn't right. sent here to pump out miracles right. and and the perfect words in his teachings right. uh, and and to uh, just call people to, to follow him. He was here uh, as a human being, 100% human being. Even while he was 100% divine, he he felt every uh, every sense, every ounce of loneliness, every ounce of uh, need, desiring uh, solitude at times. Uh, you know and. Every Everything in between, he he felt physical pain, emotional, spiritual pain, uh, everything that we we experience and endure, uh, he did at some point in his life as well. And his response uh, mentioned so many times in in the Gospels, and and the the uh, implication is if there are this many times that are mentioned in his three years of, of ministry and the thirty years before that, how many times, you know, did he seek solitude, or how regular was it uh, as part of his daily rhythm, um, even outside of the the specific words of Scripture? So this was a, a regular practice. It was a spiritual discipline. We can't say that about all the spiritual disciplines, right? right. That, you know, Jesus didn't necessarily model each and every one of them during his ministry because many of them have developed concepts developed after that uh, or at that least we use. Not recorded. Not recorded. Right. Yeah, yeah. And and this is uh, <coughs> this is an explicit um, example of that. That. Right. Uh, Jesus did, and it was recorded many times. So uh, Jesus felt loneliness. Uh, he felt uh, need to get away from the crowds at times. And uh, what was part of his daily rhythm was seeking the Father. When he uh, was overwhelmed, um, he, he would go and, and find quiet places and being with the Father was enough. It was the solution to what ailed him, and uh, it was what, what provided him strength and opportunities for reflection and uh, an understanding of, of what he was doing, where he was going. That To me, uh, it's interesting. We talk about Jesus being human and divine. If he had the need to get away from the crowds, um, the, the divine part of him uh, doesn't, doesn't have needs, right? So it's right. the human part of him that felt that. And uh, so the, clearly the example that he's laying out for us in his humanness is that us in, in our humanness need to do the very same thing 
and on a regular basis. Uh, the, the purpose that Foster uh, stated for times of solitude is uh, that we would see and hear more clearly. We're ultimately striving for better control of our hearts, of our minds, of our lives. Uh, so the goal isn't, you know, as Stephen was saying, silence and solitude are, are kind of intertwined. Um, you, you probably can't experience too much solitude if you're not willing to be silent <laughs> along the way. But the goal is not silence in itself. Uh, the goal is to to escape from the noise and escape from the, the regular schedule and uh, not necessarily the end itself to, to go periods of time alone or without speaking, but uh, to, to be able to grow and strengthen and get to know yourself and God's voice speaking within you so that you can then uh, better discern when you do go back out into the world when to speak, when to refrain from speaking, and you can be healthier internally and more content and more prepared uh, in every circumstance to represent God um, to, to others and to, and to be uh, whole in who you are internally as well. The, one of the beautiful things that Foster stated, if you get this solitude thing down right and it, and it begins to transform you uh, from the inside out, you reach a point, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, Stephen, where you can, <laughs> you can uh, be around people right. and you can be perfectly comfortable. No fear, no anxiety around crowds, around whoever, because you are comfortable in your own shoes. You can be away from people as an extrovert for long periods of time and you can be right. comfortable, content, because you're... You're, you're comfortable and you, you know yourself and uh, you are content with who you are and who God is uh, working in and through you. So I think those are important and helpful points and, and compelling points uh, that would call us to, to seek this out for ourselves. Uh, a few specific, you know, Foster broke down a few specific topics under solitude. One was um, our tendency in the, uh, the church or religious settings uh, to, to shy away from solitude or even uh, in our organized gatherings to, um, to, to just be a little too carefree with our words and uh, at times maybe too structured and too, too intentional with our words and our schedules and our agendas. Uh, solitude, you know, pursuing the, the discipline of solitude allows us to be together and allow the spirit to take over. And one of the reasons we, we struggle with solitude is because um, we're uncomfortable with who we are on the inside, we don't know ourselves, or uh, we, we need to lean on our words to manipulate our surroundings or, or to the people around us or public perception of who we are and what we do. So especially in our religious settings when we get together, um, that if, if we can be people uh, who are healthy in, in times of solitude, we can be authentic. We can get together and say what needs to be said, but don't say things that don't need to be said, whether it's in the formal setting of a, an actual worship service or in our interactions with people around the outside of that. Um, we, can, we can be authentic. We can have more meaningful and uh, intimate relationships with one another um, because we're coming together authentically, and who God is in me is connecting with who God is within you and none of the insecurities and uh, anxieties and such that that come from lack of understanding and experiencing solitude come out and get in the way of us experiencing that so uh, that was one concept he, he talked about 
Um, another, let's see, he talked about was this uh, this concept of the dark night of the soul. And I don't want to go too far, uh, too deep into this because uh, Steve and I were talking before. You, <laughs> you, could, you could do a whole series just on this concept. Uh, but this originated with a gentleman named St. John of the Cross. Uh, Stephen has all sorts of information on him, right? You'd like to offer a, a religious uh, leader, St. John of the Cross. Nope. Okay, I didn't think so. <laughs> I didn't do my research either, but I, the name comes up quite often in, in uh, Christian history, church history uh, context. St. John of the Cross was um, was uh, an incredible Christian leader, and uh, that's about all I know. But um, his concept that he wrote about in one of his, his published works was this dark night of the soul, and it's this concept that, that at some point in life, our souls are going to cry out and basically say what I'm experiencing isn't enough like the the normal day-to-day -day routine and the things that you're feeding me the things I'm ex exposed to isn't enough for me anymore I, I need more at least the, the, I'm putting it in my own words so I could be way off but um, this is how I understand it that and uh, maybe particularly in our pursuit of solitude we're gonna start trying to figure this out and and it's gonna hit us Wow um, this is what we've been missing all this these times this time and and our souls are going to say, I want more, I want more. And uh, Foster mentioned how when this, this dark night of the soul besets us, I almost uh, can't help but equate it with like a midlife crisis. You get to the point in life where you're like the, the same old, you know, same old is, isn't filling me anymore. But this is kind of a spiritual midlife crisis where your, your heart is crying out like the same old uh, Bible readings don't mean the same. Sitting and listening to a sermon isn't, isn't filling me anymore. Uh, listening to Stephen and Paul's podcast, you know, in one ear, out the other. Imagine that. That's, that's I was impossible. I say, your sermons never bore me, Paul. Oh, well, thank you, Stephen. <laughs> well, clearly he hasn't reached his midlife crisis yet. <laughs> he is, there will come a time. But uh, just this notion that I, not because of uh, of failing to do the right things or, or seek the right material, the right people or, or experiences, but because we are just not, we're not complete internally. We haven't really had this, this time experience or this rhythm of self-discovery where we find the God in us. We get to know who we are, what our, what our thirsts are, what our cravings are. Um, I think uh, the dark night of the soul pertains to, to that time, that experience that besets us, and it's it, it may ex we may experience it as a bad thing, like a, this internal ache that is driving us insane. But it's really God reaching out, trying to wake up a part of us um, that has never been awake before, and stir within us this desire for something deeper. And uh, so, if you're if you've ever experienced that, maybe going through that now, it's not something to run from. Um, it's God trying to awaken you, uh, perhaps to to do something new in your life. But it begins with this concept of solitude that we have to be comfortable um, alone in our own skin, just sitting back and and, and thinking and processing and listening uh, for God to speak into our lives. Uh, so. Those are some of the kind of the sidebars that, that Foster went into throughout his chapter. I guess some other other stuff. Um, one of one of those is the the steps to seeking solitude. Um, I don't know if you want to share anything from your own experiences, Stephen. The, yeah, uh, um, yeah, definitely. And I think kind of going back a little bit to introductory stuff. I also think it's he he said in the book. I thought he said two things I thought were really good that I think would be beneficial. He said. Um, 
we miss the mark if we're silent when we should speak. And I, I thought I found that really interesting. I think, as Paul said, there's different practices of solitude and silence um, that we can that that I think are healthy to participate in to have that sense of practice. Um, to have silence and solitude, but it's also we miss the mark of our silence. Um, he he did mention too that we it's easy to make this very legalistic that we could say oh, I'm going to be silent when all the time for a full day, and even though there's times when we should speak, but we're but we're more <laughs> that we are more concerned with just being silent. But there are times when we should speak up. There are definitely times when we t- need to speak. Um, and and learn from um, learn from speaking. What it also talks about is speaking the right words at the right time. Um, it's kind of what solitude and silence is about too. Um, because once you're in solitude, you get a better understanding of what God is calling you to, a better understanding of goals and stuff. Um, and then from there, we we know how to speak. We we've had this time of silence, so we know what to speak, how to speak, when to speak, um, and that's very very valuable, especially in our day and age. And he, he also mentions, along with that speaking, he mentions the tongue, how the tongue is a thermometer and a thermostat of our spiritual temperature. So um, I, <laughs> I gave thought to this and kind of thought, like, how, how do my words resemble uh, my own spiritual temperature? Um, and, and, and it's, I think, a really good practice to, to sit and think, and like, what kind of words have I said today? And what, what do my, what kind of have my words indicated of what's going on inside of me. And, and I think it's maybe a good practice for people kind of, we're trying to wonder like, why, why do I feel this way? Why am I hurting this way? Maybe we listening to our words and reflecting on our words can give us an indication of what's going on inside. Because Jesus even mentions that. He mentions that um, what we speak is an overflow of our heart. Um, he mentions that several times. Um, so our words are reflecting in some way or another, maybe subtly, maybe openly. Um, it's reflecting our heart inside of us. And I think that's just a really, really great um, thing to keep in mind, that the tongue is a thermostat um, and a thermometer of our inward temperature. We can set the temperature or we can see what the temperature is set to. Um, so yeah, I thought those were really good. Um, go Wait, when uh uh, I was just going to jump in real quick when, when talking about um, the tongue as a thermometer and thermostat and how our speech uh, can can uh, can dictate um, who we are and it can also read and, and register who we are. But thinking about Jesus, um, I, don't, I don't know if it was in the context of preparing for this today or something else, but it, it crossed my mind the last day or two um, that Jesus – maybe in the eyes of many people that live today would would not have um, struck us as a, a particularly enjoyable person to be around <laughs> in some ways and I, I struggled when that thought popped into my head I was like wow is it is that uh, wrong for me to think that but I think for for people who were um, not authentic to themselves not being uh, people of integrity not authentic to God um, he was a very convicting presence, and uh, I think in some ways that you know his, his words uh, made people uncomfortable. His presence, I'm sure, to some extent, made people uncomfortable because they felt convicted. They 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 saw their in, internal selves mm-hmm. like mirrored back at themselves when they they looked at him, and I think that is an incredibly healthy uh, thing. 
that Jesus models for us, um, but at the same time, it's a challenging thing because I, I don't know that I want to be that for everybody in my life, and uh, and I also have to figure out how to get my myself together first before I feel like I can play that role. Or maybe that's the mistake is to think that you can't provide that for other people until you're somehow perfect yourself. But right. somehow in Jesus's words and the times that he remains silent, uh, his his presence had a, a power to it. His words were very convicting thing very challenging but at the same time they were life-giving and um, you know in, in some ways I would love to have like a, a circle of friends that was made up of yeah. nothing but like 10 Jesuses or Jesus uh, <laughs> is that the plural <laughs> plural Jesus but, uh, but in some ways like I would be like yeah. Jesus I, I just need some time away because I don't want to see uh, my my failures uh, played out before me all the time you know, so just as, and I think it w really was his his tongue, his use of words, and 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 um, times when he selectively chose not to, how he said things, that his yes was always yes, his no was always no, um, that made him the type of person that that had this impact on the people around him. And uh, yeah, like I said, I, I, I kind of want to be that, yet I, I, it makes me uncomfortable and uh, lots of mixed feelings about that. That's a that's a wonderful idea. I, I never thought about how being around Jesus, really being around Jesus, I think, yeah, it would definitely be a very loving, a loving presence, but at the same, same time, be definitely very convicting and honest, truthful um, environment. And, and I think of people in my lives who, as Paul mentioned, like who just speak truth into your life, and it could be very convicting and very um, you can understand why the Pharisees were hesitant around him because he, he knew that he knew he knew what was inside of them. He knew their hypocrisy, mm. he knew their self righteousness, and at the same time, he he, he did, it's not that he didn't want the Pharisees. He he reached out to them in love. You know, he, um, his his reach for them is just as much as any anyone else. The tax collectors, the prostitutes, whatever. Like he was reaching out to everyone. It's just the Pharisees felt his conviction. Um, and they felt his truth and honesty, and it really rattled their mm. uh, rattled them internally. Yeah. Um, and and I, yeah, I think that's a fascinating thing. I I believe being around Christ would be one of the most fulfilling things, but also the most um, convicting and honest things. And and what and what we need is we need that truth. <laughs> I think a lot of times mm. we hide, and this is what silence and solitude. A lot of times or even meditation, a lot of times we avoid these things because we come face-to-face -face with our own shortcomings, we come face-to-face -face with our own fears, we come face-to-face -face with our own anxieties, we, we we're aware of our own sins. Like, we, we don't want to have that silence and solitude because it scares us. It's it's that fearfulness of, of oh, are they going to scare us? Jesus, what if Jesus knows who I really am? What if people know my, my own shortcomings? And um, but Jesus already knows who we are better than we know ourselves. So we we can come to him and, and have that experience of love, but also we know that Jesus wants us to become more like him, and, and that takes honesty and truth and speak spoken into our lives. And, and, and I always like to share that even, too, with the students, that, yes, Jesus is all loving for sure, but also Jesus takes us from where we are to, to he takes us from where we are right and he accepts us from where we are but he doesn't leave us where we are he always takes us he like we, we're on a journey with him and, and when we're on that journey we're transformed 
um, to be more like him. So he, he loves us too much right. to leave us. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah right. He yeah. loves us too much to leave us in the state that we're in. That's excellent because we we we're all aware of our own shortcomings. We're all aware that we need to change. We need to grow. And Jesus is aware of that too. But he loves us enough to not leave us there, and he loves us enough to take us with him on that journey. Yeah. That's. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah one of the, uh, I think, pinnacle accomplishments of the Christian life is to become a person who can speak the truth in love in all right. circumstances. I know I say that a lot, and I'm a broken record, but <laughs> I think that Jesus models that, and uh, and I think we strive for that. But I think it's the, it's the inner life. It's the understanding and living into these concepts of solitude meditation, prayer, that can create in us the ability, can equip us to be people who can speak the truth in love. Because if, you, if you're not healthy on the inside, you're probably going to mess up one of the two. Either you're going right. to speak falsities and, and yeah. think that you're loving or, or, or not speak when you're supposed to speak, or right. you're going to speak right. the truth, but you're not going to be able to, to do so in a loving manner uh, and, in, and in loving uh, context. So I think that uh, those, those two things are are very much linked. Right. Uh, some some basic practical guidelines for for solitude um, that that come from Foster and Stephen and I will chime in maybe with some thoughts of our own. But uh, one thing that that Foster uh, recommends is to start by seeking out the little solitudes that are already um, filling up your day. So uh, he talks about things like uh, when we we're walking to and from uh, places, you know, in and out of the from the car <laughs> to the store, or um, or maybe when you're uh, on your way to work, or maybe when you're sitting down for a cup of coffee for two minutes before you leave for work, or in the uh, restroom, probably in the restroom. Yeah, why not? You know, it's a, <laughs> anywhere where you have an opportunity to be at least mostly free of distractions um, and at least uh, have some some internal quiet time, even if there's noise around you and to make uh, use of those opportunities to uh, seek God and to just uh, check in with yourself and say, where am I at? What am I feeling right now? Um, those sorts of things. He, he also recommends developing some kind of a quiet place, uh, either inside your house, um, in your yard, on your property, if uh, and, and maybe in addition to that elsewhere so that you have a, a place to go uh, outside of your home. Uh, have that as an option as well, but a, a place where you can uh, seek out the Lord and uh, have times of quiet and, and solitude. And uh, it, it can be anything. You know, it could be... They could maybe you have the ability to have a room in your house designated just for this. Maybe you use the the broom closet, right? Maybe it's okay to stand in a broom closet and be <laughs> uncomfortable in the dark and just and find some solitude. Uh, an example that Foster had in his book, he talked about a family he knew that had a chair, a specific chair in their house. When somebody was seeking a time of solitude, uh, they needed to just be alone and process. Uh, Isn't that they, what the timeout chairs? Are it's, <laughs> it's, I, I don't know if those concepts. <laughs> are linked. Um, I don't know that that's how my family used the timeout chair. <laughs> Usually when the kids are in timeout, they wouldn't be very quiet. They would be well, like, no, let like, me out of here. <laughs> I like your idea now. Like, go stand in the in the broom closet and <laughs> have a moment of silence. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Maybe these are not ways to introduce our children to the concept of solitude. <laughs> Maybe we got to find other, um, other paths uh, to accomplish 
that. Uh, but ne the need for a quiet place. And then he talked about experimenting with, with some different things. One, uh, do, do some good deeds, some good things for other people without uh, explanation, without uh, having to engage them. Just do something nice for somebody and don't talk about it. Uh, don't interact with them. Don't say anything to them. Uh, another one he suggested is uh, to just work on this this concept of of talking less and making sure that your words are few and meaningful so people actually are ready and anxious to hear what you have to say um, in, when the time comes. Make sure that your yes is yes, your no is no. Very plain speech. Don't try and manipulate people um, or, or situations uh, with your words experiment with trying not to speak for an entire day um and and don't turn it into uh you know the uh the concept of the sabbath in, in scripture where the the religious leaders in jesus time thought that uh, you know celebrating the sabbath meant that if somebody uh broke their leg in front of you in the street that you couldn't help them you know if you want to practice a long period of time without speaking i don't think it's healthy to to allow that to entail moments when you really should be speaking out about something uh, talked about uh, times throughout the year, so a regular time, maybe quarterly, of setting aside an afternoon just to be alone and reflect on where you're at in life, uh, who you are in life, what do you need to work on, what are your goals, short-term, long-term, maybe having an annual uh, retreat-type experience where you just go off by yourself maybe for a couple of days and just uh, allow yourself to, to listen internally to what's going on inside of you um, so these are some some practical uh, pieces of advice and no doubt you'll make them your own or have your own uh, to add to them uh, so that's that's mostly to the uh, foster rundown um, I have some other thoughts written down but anything you want to bounce off of us either? yeah no I think that's all really good I mean he also talked about um, taking some time to um, reorient your like finance a time of silence and as he had mentioned as paul mentioned a time of silence and solitude to also reinor reinorient i'm not going to pronounce this right or orient yeah reorient reinor <laughs> <laughs> you got it you good reorient our lives um or even to reorient goals so he talked about taking three or four hours maybe like on a weekend or something and say hey, i'm gonna step away to reorient and just kind of think about different goals think about my life think about certain things like that um and 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 as paul mentioned that we were going to talk a little bit kind of our experiences but i i like to do that um again <laughs> coming back to the metro parks i just love to um, I actually have these water boots that almost go up to my knees. So I, I go out into the water, find a rock that's literally in the middle of the <laughs> a rocky river, uh, the middle of the river, and sit there. And, uh, and there's no one out there because not many people walk around water boots unless, <laughs> unless they're fishing. And usually I don't go by the fishermen. So it's a great, great time of just hearing the water, being right in the middle of the water. It's just, it's wonderful. I've had so many great times of worship and great times of thinking, also great photos <laughs> of just sitting out in the water and just really reflecting. So, um, but yeah, he, he talks about taking those times to just reorient yourself. Mm in your goals um and and before i jump to paul here real quick um there's a, a great verse that came to mind when he he had mentioned i think you had mentioned let your words be few but ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 2 um is one of my favorite verses it says ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 2 do not be quick with your mouth do not be hasty in your heart 
to utter anything before God. God is in heaven. You are on earth. So let your words be few. Um, and I just, I love that verse. It just kind of talks about, um, as it says, like, God's in heaven. You're on earth. So let your words be So it kind of, like, reorients who God is, who we are, and where he is, where we are, his thoughts and our thoughts and his will and our will. It just kind of compares everything together. Kind of think of, like, um, God, you know, God is just, uh, he's, he, he's beyond description of words. You, you just got to kind of sit in awe and wonder of who he is and just take it in. And without saying anything, you're just, you're just focusing on the beauty of God. And, and really that that's, I've heard that preached a lot that how important it is for Christians just not to say any, just dwell on the, and, and Paul, uh, David mentions this, like he's like, I sit um, at night laying on my bed just just in awe of the Lord just meditating on mm. God that's it you know and and that practice is such a fascinating practice um, I, I like to sometimes do that outside I also like to I love astronomy too and I just love the stars and you think about how immense they are and the size of the universe and thinking that our God created this it's it's I mean it's it's crazy craziness and also craziness to think that God loves us in such an intimate way so um, that's why I love the verses. Kind of puts everything in perspective: um, who God is, where we are, and so we let our words be few, and as we listen, have that sense of inner peace. But yeah, so what kind of personal experiences for you, or practices? Yeah, I, I mean, everything we're saying it, it sounds so beautiful. Just a, a, a just a kind of a very tranquil, beautiful pursuit in life, and who wouldn't want to have this right. <laughs> part of who right. you are? But um, I, I go back to what we talked about last week with simplicity and, and just having to acknowledge from the start, guess what? Our society is sick. It's, it's, it's broken. And when we start to dwell on a concept of solitude, I think we have to start with an awareness that our society is uh, trying to draw us away from solitude in every way, shape, and form. Uh, we we're taught to run from solitude kind of like you'd run from a burning building right it's, yeah, right. it's uh you know anything and everything you can do to make sure that you, your world is never quiet and you're never alone um you know everything from from all of the the gadgets the things we stick in our ears and and in our faces and uh you know social media and our our phones that are beeping every four seconds because you know somebody tweeted something across the world or you know our, our uh, lights in our living room turned on or you know why does your phone beep because uh, there's a, a tornado coming <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. just even the just even the need to reach sometimes i have the habit of reaching for my phone when i don't need it yeah it, it's just so weird it just becomes this like second nature thing i just reach for it do a little bit of looking at it and then i put it down it's just yeah I, that's really yeah good. You, you flip on a screen and you're like <laughs> oh there's there's something that was calling right me. i gotta do something on this yes. but i don't know what i need to do <laughs> and then you go back to the the same old three or right. four buttons you always push right. to say, oh maybe something right. new must have happened in the world right. of sports or right. you know let's see if the weather right. changed from two hours ago. well i've made the practice of just 
putting my phone five or six feet away so mm. I don't like I have to make the effort to get out of my chair to actually go see it or get it yeah um, yeah that's, that's yeah good, good I, advice. and that's just uh, a, a symptom of the, the world we live in and our craving right. for constantly being surrounded by stimuli right because right. because right. uh, heaven forbid we have a moment where there's not something beckoning our attention elsewhere right. and we actually get to think a, a complete thought <laughs> or, right. or uh, you know hear something that God is saying in, in completion right. and uh, this is to me is such a, a scary trans scary reality that we live into and and makes uh, this notion of solitude maybe uh, the most important and, and all the other right. disciplines that are kind of interwoven with it, the, the most important concepts um, that we in our society can, can hear and try and uh, lean right. into right now right. uh, because we're, we're so, um, we're, we're taught so much to, to run from it and to seek the opposite. Right. So, you know, in my, my own personal pursuits of, of solitude, um, when, I, when I make uh, the effort to get away from all of that, um, I, I'm just stunned by the experience I can have. I, I sit back and, and like I said, I, I'm able to, to, to complete a thought. I'm able to uh, recognize maybe something that's been running through my mind the whole time that I've never actually uh, given full attention to, to allow it to form into a, a recognizable uh, thought or notion. Um, and sometimes it's a, a message from God that I feel like God's trying to convict me about something or call me to something or, or show me love and tenderness in some way. And I, I haven't allowed the concept or the thought to completely form in my mind because I haven't taken enough time <laughs> to, uh, to to let it happen. Um, but when I, I seek solitude and, and find it, all of a sudden, all these things are waiting for me. Like these, these it's like uh, opening my email inbox, right? And, <laughs> and you have 78 new messages, except it's not the dreadful email experience where you're like, I don't want all of this. It's all this stuff that, that life has been trying to, to tell you and God is Is that how you feel you. about my emails, Paul? Yes. Uh, well, yours are easy. I just uh, right-click, <laughs> scroll down, right. delete, and, you know, he's down the hall. I can talk to him when I need to. Right. Yeah. No, it's uh, your emails I, I look forward oh, to, great. Steve, <laughs> above all others. But, uh, you know, all this stuff is just waiting for me uh, when I finally find that s s solitude and, and then I just sit there kicking myself, like, why don't I do this more often? Uh, one of the things that Foster, he talked about different uh, examples of times when we might seek it. And um, one illustration he used was the, the idea of stepping outside of your house, you know, at, at midnight, you know, the whole world is still. And you step outside your front door and you just take a, a, a deep breath of that fresh air. Maybe it's nice and crisp, you know, in Ohio, uh, March and and uh, you breathe it in, you look up at the stars, you look up and down your street and, and see no cars, no people, and just feel the stillness and allow God for that, you know, 30 second blip to just to wow you and to show up and be like, you know, hey, Paul, I've been here all day. Where, where have you been? And and. Every time I do that, I, I'm just uh, rewarded in, in such incredible ways that I wonder why I don't do it more often. And, and that's why it, it ends up being an internal battle all the time. I got to do this more. I got to work this into my life on a regular basis. And I always fall short. So uh, for me, that's that's my experience. I, I crave solitude. Um, I'm, I'm streaky. Sometimes I'll, I'll fall in love with it and I'll recognize it. And so I'll do it on a regular basis and then things will go uh, crazy and I'll forget about it. 
Um, but to me, it's, it is a, a well worthwhile pursuit, well worth our, our time and energy and attention. Um, one thing that I'll, I'll share and then uh, we'll, we'll let Stephen let us know if he's got any more <laughs> insightful comments that he's, uh, he's stirring up over there. But uh, So there's a, a movie called uh, Crash. It came out in the 90s when, when I was in my heyday, I guess. And, <laughs> and it takes place in L.A., and it's this, just this uh, movie about all these different people from very different backgrounds and places living in the big city. And um, they each have their kind of internal battles and, and worldly problems that they're dealing with. But they each of them in, in different ways feel so alone uh, in, their, in their mess, in their chaos. And uh, it's just this concept of being surrounded by millions and millions of people in a big city of L.A. yet feeling so alone. And I think, it, I think it, that, that reality is, is so true for so many people in the world that you can be surrounded by people yet feel so alone because you don't know yourself and you don't know how to listen for God and you haven't developed that inner sanctuary of, of peace and contentment. Um, one of the, the quotes from the movie, in fact, at the very beginning, um, the, the, one of the uh, characters says this, it says, in, in, in the real city, you, you walk, you know, you brush past people, people bump into you. In L.A., nobody touches you. We're always behind this metal and glass. I think we miss that touch so much that we crash into each other so we can feel something. Uh, so this concept that that when we don't have this this inner health, this this wholeness that comes from really pursuing solitude and, and inner fulfillment, uh, we we will never be able to experience contentment and joy in relationship and and uh, in community because we are not whole. You know, you got to start by by finding yourself first. And and so uh, so many of the world's problems and, and crises are rooted in people seeking out something something meaningful. Um, that that would allow them to feel something because they can't find it in themselves. Well, guess what? It, it's always there. It's there. It's accessible to us. All we have to do is is seek it and uh, make it more important uh, than the, the urges and the and the pressures of, of this world and everything pushing it around us. And then we can be whole and we can be content alone. We can be content uh, with our, our friends and family. We can be content with the perfect stranger because inside uh, we are who God calls us to be. So that's all I got. Stephen has uh, he's uh, like a, a wandering prophet, gonna leave us with something super insightful, and it's gonna rock your world. Uh, well, I think just two things made me think of as Paul was waxing elegantly. <laughs> he was giving this great poetic um, statements, but it made me think of two things. Uh, one. When we say inner fulfillment or, or finding yourself, I, I don't never want to confuse it with the new age sort mm. of seek within yourself. Right. Now, within a Christian framework, it's we discover who we are in Christ, and we our inner fulfillment is the words of God, the character of God, the nature of God. That's that's where we find our fulfillment. And as a matter of fact, Jesus says, um, in order to know who we are, we must lose ourselves. <laughs> Those who lose themselves for his sake find themselves. You know, it's just such a completely different way of thinking our society. Our society thinks we need to, in order to find yourself, we got to fill ourselves. Jesus says, no, in order to find yourself, you got to lose yourself for me. Um, so it's just a really, really uh, kind of a backward sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I, so hopefully this is a 
has been a great podcast. I've um, really enjoyed this study and enjoyed this topic, and we're looking forward to our um, next two. Our, I think our next two are going to be categorized as corporate, corporate, corporate yeah. disciplines. So yeah. that that should be really good. Um, again, we want to thank everyone for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate all your kind words and um, your encouragement. And just remind everyone that um, our first two services are in person, eight thirty and ten. Yeah, and then uh, all actually all <laughs> our wait 8:30s parking lot, 10 is in person, 11:30 is in person. So in car, in person, right. in person, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> and then we have streaming. So any way you want to look at, it, you could be in person, you could be in your car, you can be on the internet. So me, you could even <laughs> ride a horse. Right. Or, <laughs> I mean, anything's possible. Anything's we're at Rocky possible, River United Methodist right. Church. Yeah. Right. We are available for whatever you need. <laughs> um, so yeah, thank you everyone for listening, and and we can't wait to speak to you again next week.